Good morning, and welcome to On Target, a radio ministry of Village Bible Church in Hot Springs Village. We are located near the Coronado Center at 100 Ponderosa Way. Our Sunday morning service starts at 9.15 a.m. We hope you will enjoy and benefit from the sermon you will hear this morning. Now sit back and relax as you listen to a message by Senior Pastor Dr. Jason Lancaster. I'm really excited today for a variety of reasons. One of those is after the service, we will have a quasi-membership class where I get to come in and do a question and answer with you. And so if you're newer, and I met some newer people this morning, or not a member of our church, just come down to that class. It'll be fun. We'll do, we'll do a quick class, question and answering, ask me anything. It's just down the hall to the left. It doesn't matter if you've signed up or not. Just be impulsive. Come down there. We'd be, we'd be glad to meet you. Unique time this morning, what we're about to do. This is not what we normally do. So if you're a first-time visitor, this is not normal. Uh, I'm going to preach for a little bit. Then we're going to have a communion. And then we're going to do a time where... It's just an open time for what we call prayer and healing. I know that sounds kind of interesting if you've never heard that before. The elders will be up front here and in the back. And if you would like prayer for anything, or if you would have some sickness and want us to pray for you, we'll pray according to James 5. We'll anoint you with oil. But just kind of be ready for that. I know some of you may need some prayer this morning for a variety of things going on in your life. And, you, and for those of you who may be wondering why, why are we doing that today, we've kind of rearranged a lot of things, and I just feel compelled to do it this morning. In fact, I've changed the text for today. We skipped some in 12, and Hebrews will go back to that. But uh, I feel compelled. Let me tell you why. It's because I don't think we have a concept of who walks into our church on Sunday morning. I don't think we, we totally get it. I don't think we have a concept of who's watching online. There are those among us who may have been thinking about taking their lives just last night. There are people in here that are so lonely, they feel the weight of their loneliness. And there's someone here that are really angry that you've thought about hurting other people or you have hurt other people emotionally or physically. And then there's someone here who are really tired. You're tired because you can't sleep, and you can't sleep because you're anxious. And there's some people in here who are very annoyed because nothing seems to be going their way, and as the weeks go by, you're getting more and more annoyed and grumpier and turning into anger. And there are people in here who are in physical pain, extreme physical pain, and you want to scream And there are those in here who have been abused by others, sexually, emotionally, and it's made them numb. And there's some of you in here who are actually living a double life. No one knows about what's going on. You're you're in hiding, and you're here. And there are people in here that are actually addicted, addicted to alcohol, drugs, over-the-counter medication, And there's all types of disorders that we're dealing with. And some of you are dealing with deep depression, barely get out of bed this morning. Some of you are struggling with doubts and you don't know what to do in expressing that. And then some of you are struggling with habitual sin. You keep going back to the same thing over and over and over again. Basically what I'm saying is that the people that are here this morning that are struggling are people like you and people like me. And people like you 
and me, what we want is help. And one of the things that we wonder when we come to church is can we tell other people what's going on inside of us? Is the church a safe place to talk about our stuff? Not always. Sometimes where we talk about our stuff and then we, we get judged or people want to pounce on us. But one of the things that tends to happen when we bring up our pain in public, in church, is for the most part, we are often ignored. So this is kind of my, my desire, my corporate desire for VBC. I'm going to share it with you at the beginning, share it with you at the end. It's this. My desire for VBC is to grow more and more into a safe place where people can open up with their problems and find others who really care and who want to take the time and energy to love them and help them no matter what. That's what I desire for our church. And so the day I'm with Jesus, I will continue to preach God's word and I'll share my struggles and my issues because I am just like you. And I'm coming to a savior and I want to be healed just like you. And I want to grow just like you. And I want us to be in a safe place rooted in the word where we can do that. And that's why I want us to jump ahead to Hebrews 13 this morning. If you want to look at that, we skip 7 and 12. We'll come back to that. But this morning we're just going to cover three verses. And these commands... They come out of the strong warnings we've seen previously and encouragements that led up to these commands. And I just want you to know that when we follow Jesus, we're not just living our own spiritual lives. We follow Jesus in a context of community. Once again, if you follow Jesus, it's not about your own individual walk with Jesus. You follow Jesus in community. And that's why we're here this morning. Look at the commands to us as individuals within the community. Verse 1. Chapter 13, verse 1 says, Let love of the brethren continue. Keep on loving each other. They started out good through the hard times. They were side by side with those who were persecuted. They even sympathized with those in prison. Now that they are to continue to love the brethren, to keep on loving one another. Let me just say the opposite of this, so this may help you, some of you, to process this. Um, keep on being nasty to one another. Keep on judging one another. Keep on ignoring one another. The command is keep on loving one another. And notice how they are to love one another. Look at verse 1 again. It says, as brothers, as brethren. That's the term Philadelphia. It's this culture of love in the family between blood brothers and blood sisters. And the term is used here to love between brothers and sisters in the Lord. We are now within the family of God. And the reason why we can love like this is because we have been loved first by another. And that is the Lord has loved us first. Now we can love him and we can love one another. And the way the Lord has loved us is by laying down his life for us on the cross. And that sacrificial love is to be a response from us to him and to sacrificially loving one another. Now I was, uh, last night I was listening to someone reading something and they did not like the family terminology used within the church. 
And the reason why they were saying they don't like the church being referred to as a family is because if abuse happens within the church, then they may respond to it as a family by covering it up. And I would say to that, just because abuse has happened in the church in the past doesn't mean we should dismiss all of the family imagery in the scriptures. Because we are a family. We are brothers and sisters in the Lord. And we want to act like a biblical family that deals with abuse and a variety of other ways. And what is so interesting is that as we've been studying Hebrews, they are called to be a safe family because they were publicly getting insulted for their faith. Some were being persecuted. Some were being thrown into jail. Some of them had their property confiscated and they were to find within the church safety among their brothers and sisters. Now, for those of you who are new, I, I moved here about three and a half years ago from Chicago and the church I was pastoring there was mainly college students. And when I would meet these 18, 19, 20, 21, 22 year olds, most of them had been through so much stuff with other people. Many of them have been abused. Many of them have been taken advantage of. Many of them have been judged. Now imagine, that's college age. And in our church, we put on decade after decade after decade after decade. Some of you have been so taken advantage of, so abused over the years. The stuff that has happened to you at the hands of others is just can't even talk about. And that is why when we gather here, we want to say you are to be a safe place. Not just the building is a safe place, but you as the body of Christ are to be a safe place where others can come and be comforted, can be confronted, and can be loved. And we want to continue in this love for each other. But not just for each other. Look at verse 2. It says, Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for by this some have entertained angels without knowing it. This word here is not Philadelphia, but it's philoxenia, which means love of strangers. So not only are we to love our brothers and sisters in the church, but we're also to love strangers. And chances are these strangers in this context are brothers and sisters in the Lord that we do not know. Because they were losing their property, being confiscated, and as brothers and sisters were kicked out of their homes, they needed to be taken in. And so they would have to show hospitality to their brothers and sisters, even though they didn't know them, and welcome them into their home and care for them. And by so doing this, it says that some of them never know that they may be welcoming and entertaining and serving angels. Isn't that, isn't that crazy? So some people you can be welcoming into your house that are strangers may in fact be angels. You're like, what is up with that? Well, if you read the Old Testament, we have Abraham and Sarah. They welcomed in three heavenly messengers in Genesis 18. Other Old Testament instances are Lot in Genesis, Gideon in Judges, and Samson's dad, Manoah, in Judges. And when you welcome strangers in your house, you never know they may be angels. Now, when I talk to my, my youngest son about this this week, he's like, What? You mean you can be letting angels in your house? And he asked me, he said, did you, did you, have you ever had angels in your house? I said, I don't know. When we lived in Los Angeles, we had a parsonage 
uh, in Santa Monica, you know, that, you know, Santa Monica part of, and people were all over the place in Santa Monica, a very urban area, lots of people, and we would have lots of different people into our house, and my wife and I, we were young and sometimes very undiscerning. We would just have people in our house that were dangerous. We didn't, we didn't know. We just thought this is what you're supposed to do, and so we'd have people in our house. We'd have homeless people in our house, and I, I, I think there was some discernment talk taught in the New Testament church uh, on how and who you welcome in. But we had a variety of people in. And we had this, and this one woman who lived uh, next to us on the sidewalk. And we would talk to her and over and over again. I mean, we could look at our window and see her. And so we invited her into our, our house uh, a couple times to give her some food, let her shower and everything. And I don't know if she was an angel, but her name was Angel. I have no idea. I'm just saying. But I do, I do know this. Jesus says this in Matthew 25, 35. He says, for I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. And so we need to make our homes welcoming homes to our brothers and sisters and maybe even angels. And I know some of you may say, well, you know, my home is just not big enough to entertain people. Or my home is just not clean enough to bring people over. I remember one time when we were in Chicago, my family were invited over to this house of, of someone in our church. And I thought, oh my goodness, what's this going to be like? And so we went to their house and it was so small. I don't know if you know what like a garden apartment is, like underneath underneath the ground. And it was so small and we barely got in there. And we were, we were eating pizza that they provided for us. And there was no room to sit, so we're sitting on the bed it's that small. If they can do that, you can do that. You can have people over. So humor me today. I dare you. Go up to someone in church you don't know today and say, hey, you want to come over? I'm all right. And there's the challenge. All right. Verse 3. Remember the prisoners as though in prison with them. So the several of the believers during this time were thrown into jail because of their faith in Jesus. And they weren't supposed to be neglected while they rot in jail, but their Hebrews were to remember them as if they were their fellow prisoners. Since prisoners could not come to their home for hospitality, you're to take the hospitality to the prison. And Jesus said this many times, but he said this in Matthew 25, 36, he said, I need to close you clothed me, I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. And these are believers being thrown into prison, not to be neglected, not to rot there, but to be visited. And you may be wondering, how can we visit Christians that are thrown into jail for their faith? Because it doesn't happen much in our country. Well, some of you know the, the ministry, the Voice of the Martyrs. Well, that's one way that we can minister to believers around the world in jail through advocating for them, through writing letters to them. But even domestically, though people may not be in jail because they were a believer, there are a lot of believers who are currently in jail. And some of you are very aggressive in getting into prisons and into jail to minister to their needs, their spiritual needs, to pray with them and to encourage them. And the admonition here is to keep doing that. Do not stop. Now, the second half of verse 3 is, is, my, is my favorite part. It says, and those who are ill-treated 
since you yourselves are also in the body. So it's saying there's something about what is happening to someone else we need to accept as if it is happening to us. So if there is a brother and sister without food and clothing, we need to act as if it's happening to us and we're going to move toward them to meet their needs. A brother or sister is in jail acting like it's happening to us and, and move toward them. Did you imagine what the church would actually look like if we took on with compassion and sympathy toward those who were suffering, toward the widow, the vulnerable, the, the homeless, or, or the orphan, and, and just move toward them as if it was happening to to us and caring for them. I just think about the number of, of children that are in foster care just in America. And I would say that the number of churches is even greater than that number. And to think if churches actually took that seriously and moved out, acted as if those were our kids in foster care and moved toward them as if it was happening to us and our family. Now take that and branch out into many areas of your life. And you think, so you mean I'm supposed to act like it's happening to me? Yeah, kind of like Jesus did for you. He was not a sinner, and yet he took on your sin and became sin in your place, crucified, buried, and dead, so that you, the sinner, can have righteousness and live forever. And now, in turn, you are to act as if things are happening to other people that's happening to you to care and minister to their needs, whether it's in jail, whether it's through neglect, or whatever it is, you are to move toward that need. Now, I want to say a few things here in the end because we talk about being a safe place, and, and, I, and I know that may sound kind of weird. So let me say, number one, this is what safety does not mean. Safety does not mean you can come in here with all your sin and junk, and you can stay in your sin. There are many churches in America, once again, that they would consider themselves welcoming and affirming. You can look that up later. But the affirming has to do with affirming people in their sin, specifically their sexual sin. So we are a welcoming church. We are a church that shows you where to find forgiveness, but we don't want to be a church who affirms people in sin. So if you're in here and you open up about your stuff, we're going to love you. We're going to care for you. We're going to hold you accountable. We're going to say, hey, look, this is what the word says. Let's struggle together in whatever area that is. Yes, it's a safe place, but it's a safe space governed by the word of God. Second thing I want to say. We talk about the church being a safe place. But some of us have been wounded more inside the church than in the world. I don't want to see a show of hands. But some of us have been more wounded inside the church world than the world world. And that's a very sad reality. And my counsel to you, my guess is, my counsel to those who may be watching right now who do want to stay away from the body is, is, is come back. Come back. We're sorry what has happened to you. I've been wounded far more in the church world than in the world world. I, I get that. But don't let it drive you away completely. There's a room for, of growth. There's a room for opening back up again. And there's a room for actually giving and receiving love. Don't let the past abuse turn you away. 
And the third thing I want to say is that you can't really program this. I know some of you may say, that's such a good, good sermon, Pastor. Here's the program we need to start. No. I just told you to have somebody over to your house. You don't program that. You just do it. To care for those who are hurting. Do you know anybody that's hurting? Anybody at all? I don't need to start a program. We don't need to, you just do that. It's not about a program. It's like a change of heart as individuals where we start walking in certain ways. Sure, we have programs here. I get that for the hurting and grieving, and we'll keep that up. But there's so much where we can rely on a program to fix the situation when the program is just individuals doing stuff, obeying the word. Now, and as I just said that, we got to ask the question, okay, you say no program, so what's the format? And now you're going to feel like I'm talking about a program, but... Here's the format that this usually happens in our church, this loving, this caring, this watching out for one another. In our church, it usually happens in small groups where we go into each other's homes, a little bit of hospitality there. We're in the word, we're in prayer. We know what's going on in each other's lives and we're checking in on one another. Small groups are a significant way that our church cares for one another. So if you have gone and been admitted to the hospital and you said, no one from the church visited me, no one from the church called me, where was the church? I'll ask you, were you involved in a small group? And you may say, no, but I I just attend on Sunday morning. We don't know what's going on in your life. And the way that that functions in biblical community is for you to be in biblical community where people are caring for one another, loving one another, following through with one another. And a lot of that happens in a small group. So let me encourage you, jump in one of those. And here's what's going to happen for some of you. You're going to get into community. You're going to go visit a small group. And maybe you'll call me or come to see me and say, Pastor, I went to visit a small group, but those people are wackos. Yeah. Yeah. And what I would say to that is that we could always use one more wacko, all right? Right? Yes, we 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 are we we are there there's something about us where where we are it's true we are messed up people. We are. We're messed up people trying to love other messed up people. But it's in the, in the context of grace, of love, and of mercy, of where it has first come to us through Jesus. And now we respond to one another. And so symbolically speaking, this is what we're about to do. We're about to do this now. We're going to take communion. Remember about God's love shown to us on the cross. And yet we're also going to show, okay, let's do something where we can care for one another visibly, just on a Sunday morning here, but this is something I want you to do throughout your time, where we're going to invite those of you down or back who may need prayer right now. You need prayer for something's going on in your life, something with your family, something in your circumstances, something financially, something physically. And if if you're asking for healing, we'll anoint you with oil. But we'll have music playing, and you'll be welcome to come down any time during that time or go in the back. The elders will be spread out there and spread out here in the front. But we want to start with communion. Now, 
before you rush to do communion, don't rush to do communion. We're going to, this morning, and this morning only, <laughs> you're going to have a chance to take communion on your own. I'm going to talk about it in a moment here. But rather than all of us taking it together, sometimes you just need to wait until you're ready to take it. Maybe you need to have, to have some time of extended prayer, meditation. But don't think you need to pray until you feel worthy to take it because you're still never worthy to take communion. You're worthy because Jesus is worthy, right? So don't try to just make yourself feel bad. But there's times you can have confession. There's times you can have repentance. Because we remember when we, when we take the bread, we remember it's the body of Christ broken for us on the cross. He's carrying our sin. And when we drink the juice, we remember the blood of Christ spilled for us on the cross, bearing the wrath of God. And if you're a believer, you can take this meal. Don't have to be a member of this church, just a follower of Jesus. Like we've said before, not a fake believer, not a make-believer, but if you are a believer who follows Jesus, you can take this meal. If not, we ask you to hold off. So I'm going to ask Elson to start playing, and is what we're going to do. You can take communion whenever you would like. And I want to go ahead and invite the elders forward and back and ask that you would go ahead and come up for prayer. If you like prayer, let people out of the aisle so they can uh, come up for prayer. And let's just have a time of worship, focus on the cross, and ministering to one another. So feel free to come up for prayer. We hope you enjoyed this message. It was preached recently at Village Bible Church. You can hear this message or let others know about it by visiting our website at vbchsv.org or call us at 922-0404. Meanwhile, have a blessed day as you walk along the way, guided by God's Word.